This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Well, welcome to our Sabbath service here in our chapel here at World Ministries International. I am uh, E.J. Buckard. Some people call me Dr. E.J. Buckard, Dr. Theology. I'm filling in for Dr. Hansen, who's in Kenya with his family ministering. This is going to be a part two message. I have one more part to go, I believe. How do the seven churches of Revelation compare to the church today? This is part two. So I'll be finishing up a little bit of the last week, which I didn't get done. But why do I desire to speak about the churches of Revelation? What caught my attention as I was looking at it is the ratio of the churches that needed to have repentance. It was the fact that five out of the seven churches which Jesus spoke to needed to repent. That's about 70% of the church back in those days needed to repent. 30% did not need to repent, but those two churches suffered quite a bit of persecution. Does this appear to be about the same today in our culture here in America? 70% of the churches are doing things basically well, but the Lord says He has something against them, and they need to repent. Jesus spoke to John in Revelation the words of commendation, what they were doing well. Then He did the condemnations at things that they were not doing well. And He gave warnings, rebukes, and a call to repentance, to be faithful, lest not only we lose our power anointing and the gifts of the Spirit, but we lose our place in heaven. There's not too much being taught nowadays about heaven and hell in the churches. There are some pastors that are really on fire concerning that, but the majority of the churches, we've been living in such a blessed culture in America. I don't think there's one in here that has not been born and raised in a very comfortable situation. We have a nice house to live in. We have cars to drive into and from work. We have a job. We have income. And we are not under persecution as of yet. There are some places in this United States that are coming under persecution. Some Christians are coming under persecution. But at the present time, we have been blessed. And that's a dangerous thing if you accept your blessings, not understanding that if you no longer give your life to the Lord, and allow Him to guide it, you will come under persecution. Remember last week I talked about the key words? Jesus says, I know your works. And those works, He says, were good works. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You need to repent. And you need to overcome. 
He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Is there anyone in here, in my audience, that doesn't have ears? Is there anyone here that's deaf, don't have ears? If you're deaf and don't have ears, you'll understand a little bit more than we who have been blessed with good hearing and good eyesight. Now let's continue to the final word in the church's Ephesus. Verse, uh, verse 2, verse 7. And he that hath ears, let him hear. And hath what the Spirit says unto the church, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the Garden of Eden. I'm going to read out of Dr. Hansen's newsletter, which was written back in 2003. And I suggest that for those that want a good explanation of the seven churches of Revelation, you call the office and we have copies of those newsletters. They're very, very well done. Jesus used the term, to him that overcometh, because he knew the mentality of the Ephesians church culture with all their games, the rewards, the influence of the goddess Diana, promoting homosexuality, lesbianism, adultery, fornication, etc., the Christian now must overcome these temptations that were in Ephesus instead of conforming to the society lifestyles. Instead, they were out to convert the people and lead them to the kingdom of God. Jesus promised those who would be overcomers that they could eat of the tree of life. The tree of life is in heaven, and that begins, gives us total life when we get into heaven. We end up with the tree of life, and we get to enjoy the heaven forever. How do we overcome? I'm going to read out of David Wilkinson's devotion, which I have and had read through it many times. And on January 12th, the devotion for January 12th, how do we overcome? We need to get to know the voice of God. God wants us to know no matter how difficult things may be for us, he will abstain, he will sustain all who trust in him. How does he do this? By the power of his still small voice speaking to our inner man. This is confirmed by the prophet Isaiah. Let your ears shall hear the word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whether you turn to the left. Isaiah delivered this word to Israel in the very worst of times the very worst of times. The nation was under judgment, in absolute ruin, and everything breaking down. Isaiah told the Israel leaders, turn to the Lord now. He wants you to give you a word of direction, to go this way, to go that way, and here is the way. But they would not listen. Are we being told by the Lord right now, a word of direction, and it, are we following that? Are we following the prophetic words of the pastors and people that we know? Israel did not listen to the prophet. So if you don't listen to the prophet's message, something happens. They decided to go back to Egypt to find help in being delivered. They thought that they could rely on the Egyptians, chariots and horses and supplies to see them through. Do we rely more on God or do we rely more on the government? We are slowly, I could tell because of my age, where nobody relied on the government. We only relied on ourselves and the churches and on Jesus. After the Depression, 
back in the 30s, there was no government hands out, handouts, but every family helped every family. We had a 10-year recovery quickly, rapidly. I think, folks, if you take a look at now with all the people relying on the government, if we do have another recession like that, a depression, and we've been relying on the government, I'm sorry, folks, they won't be there to help you. Only God will be there to help you. God is the answer to what we may be facing in this time ahead. God did not send judgment on Israel at that point. I know they're in, they're in bad trouble right now. But God says, eh, just, just, just I'll let you go a little bit farther. You're not ready yet. You're not ready to come to repentance. Rather, he decided to wait patiently until the bottom fell out of every plan. He said, while they're running around scheming on how to survive, I will wait. I want to show them my mercy in spite of their wickedness. God is waiting to show mercy, but he can't do it because of their wickedness. Sure enough, things only got worse for the nation. Finally, when all the schemes had fallen through, God told the people, now let me take over. Are you willing to let God take over in your life? I know the way out, and I will direct you and deliver you. I will lead you by my voice, speaking to you, telling you what to do, down to the very last detail. Isn't that a loving God? Down to the very last loving detail? It is vitally important to you know the voice of God. He made it clear, my sheep know my voice. There are many voices in the world today, loud demanding voices. But there is that still small voice of the Lord that can be known and heard only by those who trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. That's the key to see us through these times that we're coming to. Okay, let's look at the second church is Smyrna. In Smyrna, it says, And unto the angel of the church of Smyrna, these things set the saith the first and the last, now referring to Jesus, the first and the last, which was dead and now is alive. I know thy works and the tribulations and the poverty, though thou art rich. I know the blasphemy of them who say they are Jews and are not, but they are of the synagogue of Satan. Fear not for those things which thou shalt suffer, and behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that ye may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days, a short period of time. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. These are very important testimonies of Jesus. Many people today who call themselves Christians really do not believe, this is hard for me to understand, really do not believe that Christ is risen from the dead. They do not believe that he died for our sins. They do not believe in the virgin birth or the miracles of Christ. They are called deists, Unitarians, Transcendentalists, Universalists, Liberals, New Agers. They all believe in the ethics of Christ. They all believe in the ethics of Christ, but they do not believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They exalt reason and intellect. And anything that's not logical or rational, they summarize, rejected, rejected including all the supernatural elements of the Christian faith. We are living in a period of reason, technology, the intellect. Who gave us the intellect? Who gave us the knowledge? 
why don't we address it and say, yes, God gave it to me, and I thank you for that, and now you can use it for your honor and for glory. But they're not using it for his honor and glory. They're using it for their own selfishness. After the American Revolution War, people's attention turned from Jesus Christ to prosperity. This is after the Revolutionary War, many years ago. They turned from Christ to prosperity, and their hearts moved away from God towards themselves. We become the God. The colonists, the Puritans and pilgrims in England, over this very issue of a living faith in Jesus Christ, and they're not about to come back under the false Christianity and the control of the dead church in Great Britain. Dead church of Great Britain. Do we have a dead church in America? The colonies were built on a belief that Jesus Christ is God and the authority of the scriptures. They believed in the resurrection of Jesus, the miracles of the gospel of Jesus. America was to be forever a fundamental Christian nation. They would be used the term one nation under God or one nation under Jesus. It's interesting when they wrote that, they were Christians and they believed in Jesus, but when they wrote that Declaration of Independence, they said one nation under God. Well, this nation was under Jesus Christ, who was God, who is God. But by using the word God, it can kind of do other gods other than the God of Jesus Christ. So it's interesting. I wish they would have put under, under one nation under Jesus. That would have solved a few problems. But they would remove that too because they've already moved under God. The Trinity was taught and accepted Jesus as their personal Savior. Matter of fact, out of 11 out of 13 colonies, in order to hold office, you had to declare that Jesus Christ was your Lord and Savior. 11 out of 13. 11 out of 13. After the American Revolution, the country was in a spiritual mess. Are we in a spiritual mess today? If you listen to the news and all the riots and the demonstrations going on, I think we're in a mess. I don't think we can deny we're not in a mess. It's a spiritual mess. He says that back in those days, the people were mad with joy and party mentality, and they forgot about Jesus of the pilgrims and the Puritans. The people forgot to pray, unless it was for selfish reasons. A blessing for the next purchase, or the next business deal that it goes through. The church was made up of selfish, immoral people, ignorant of God's word. It's interesting when you go to churches nowadays and visit, very few people bring their Bible to church. Even electronically, they don't. They just come to church, sit in the pews, in their pew, listen to the message, walk out the church, go home, and do the normal things they've always done the rest of the week. Jesus commends the church in Smyrna, for their faithfulness in the midst of their, op, of their tribulation and poverty. The city of Smyrna was a beautiful city with three arteries. The city was proud of the largest public theater in all of Asia, a large library with magnificent stadium. Magnificent stadium. We've got some beautiful, beautiful stadiums around this country. Beautiful stadiums. The city of Smyrna was the first city in the world to make mandatory cedar worship. Mandatory Caesar, Caesar worship. In other words, if you didn't, you became persecuted. But the church of Smyrna stood strong. 
they did not bow to Caesar. And many of them went under severe persecution. If that were to happen here in America, where unless you bow to our government, which wants to be Caesar, and you stand against them, what's going to happen? The church of Smyrna says, no, we're not going to bow to Caesar. Yes, the government may be Caesar operated, but we're going to stand true to the Lord of Jesus Christ. Because the Jews in Smyrna were wealthy merchants, and the Jewish people are very, very wealthy people, very wealthy merchants. If you study even the economics of this, our age, the Jewish people are behind a lot of the wealth. It's when one of their drives is the wealth. As they were in nearly every major city in the ancient world, and as they are today, and they had an ear of the political leaders of Smyrna. They used to lie about Christians and bring persecution upon them. Bishop Polycarp was actually burnt at the stake for his faith in Jesus Christ. It was they who slandered and lied about Christians and started the first Christian persecution started in Smyrna. The Jews of Smyrna were ran to the form. Jesus called them the synagogue of Satan, not the synagogue of Jehovah. For when a man refuses to obey God, he eventually obeys the devil. You really have only two chances. Are you going to obey God? Or are you going to obey, obey Satan? That's the choice you have. And unfortunately, our God gives us that choice. We're not puppets where he can control every move we make. Now, he knows where we're going to go, but he doesn't control that. We control our destiny. We have to make the choice. Am I going to serve God or am I going to serve our government? The, the persecution in this earth is going to be for a short period of time. What we need to do is hang in there to be winners, to be overcomers. It's interesting to know that half of Smyrna is totally Christian. Remember we talk about Ephesus? Zero churches. Smyrna is still has churches in it, standing strong, because they stood strong against the devil. Laws are being created today in countries throughout the world, including here in the United States, that are not righteous because they do not believe in Jesus Christ as God. Persecution is going to increase. The book of Revelation will come to pass, and the Antichrist, the beast and his government, leading the nations, forcing Caesar worship, is close at hand. Smyrna was not told to repent, but it's interesting, they suffered severe persecution, but they did not fall prey to the goddess of Diana and the other goddess that were around. They did not bow to Caesar, but they stood strong. Are you going to stand strong here in America when the persecution comes? We're already seeing Christians that are standing strong for their faith are coming under persecution. Most of it's in terms of lawsuits, the bakers, those that won't perform for same-sex marriage, they'll come against their shops. They win the battle in the courts, but they come right back after them again. They just come back after them again. They do not, Satan does not give up of destroying your faith in God. Persecution, persecution. How many in the church today are willing to be persecuted for their faith? Are you? If so, Jesus says, you don't need to repent. You do not need to repent, but to stand strong 
and he will give you, see you through it. What are the three things that control the government can control us? <clears throat> Number one, it's a food supply. And you can see in America where they're trying to control the food supply. Health. The government has now taken over all the health care, basically. So if they can control the food supply, they can control your health and your medicines that you need. <clears throat> and then if they control your income, they control your bank accounts. And we're close to that in America, whether you want to accept it or not. It is very close. And then we have to bow because we will not be do, able to have buy or sell, as the Revelation says. We will not be able to. But we'll have to trust the government for our health, for our food, for our income. I remember a young lady who was under a lot of medical, medical things in Florida. And she says, what if I, if I, what, what's going to happen if I can't get my medicine? I says, what did Jesus say? Trust in the Lord. Are you going to trust in your medicine? Are you going to trust in your government to make those, the medicine available for you? Are you going to trust in God for your healing? Or trust in God that God will take you home? It's a serious question, folks. Are you ready to give everything to the Lord? And not to trust in government, not to trust in Caesar. Remember, we will talk about later, there's two churches that did not have to repent, and that was Smyrna and Philadelphia. Now let's take a look at the Pergama, which was the capital of the Roman province of Asia. Pergama. Now start with verse 13. I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where the Satan's seat is, and you do hold fast to my name, and has not denied the faith, even in those days when Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you where Satan dwells. He says, I know thy works. You're doing a great job. Many of our churches are doing a great job. But the Lord, I think, will say unto you, but nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because thou hast hold of the doctrine of Balaam, and taught the Balak to be a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit fornication. I'm thinking of when I was in Japan, going before all, you see all these Buddha statues there, and every morning you go out there, they got all this nice big food around there. Does the idol ever eat that food? Now the food is prepared for the, for the idols, sacrificed to the idols. I never thought too much about this until I saw that. But who eats that food? The Buddhist priests come and eat the food. Because their idol didn't eat it, so they eat it. So why did Jesus say, don't eat food sacrificed to idols? Interesting. And don't commit fornication. So then, also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate. Nicolaitans. They were basically into homosexuality, lesbianism, same-sex marriage, so to speak. Well, here in America, what we have? We have homosexuality, the LBGT trying to take over. We have homosexuality, which is commonly accept acceptable. We've gone to the point now that we change the sex of children. How much longer is God going to say, enough, enough, America? I've had it with you folks. Are you ready? for this to come into your life? I seriously ask that, it will come. I've heard the prophecy of our pastor and I think he's a true prophet. It will come. Can we 
postpone it. Yes, the church, if the church comes back and says, we will return to you and let God take over as he did in Israel. When God takes over, things change for the good. How does that happen? We don't know. It's a supernatural. But when the, you repent and turn back to God, things turn to blessings instead of cursings. Dr. Cottle, who we know because of our Bible school, says, it is not Christian to escape trouble. It is Christian to conquer trouble. Not to escape it. We don't pick up our bags and run, but we conquer it. I'm going to have to end here, but there is going to be a part three. <laughs> but in the meantime, folks, seriously, we have children and we have grandchildren. Myself, I don't think I'll be around too much longer, maybe 20 years. But our grandchildren, they're going to be here through this time. And if this church doesn't rise up and repent, change their ways, and overcome, be an overcomer, we will suffer persecution. I pray, Lord, that you will take this message seriously and return and repent and let God take over in this nation and in your life. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.